too much. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was, that was actually funny. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I say that to Chris, he gets so mad. When I'm like, that was actually funny. What? See, this is that's that's friendship. That I, I mean, I think it's good. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I'm good at like IDing boogers okay, and stuff about this. That's my expertise. Okay. Sometimes the universe just aligns exactly right, and that is what is happening right now. We are in Las Vegas on Radio Row ahead of the Super Bowl. And one of my dear friends, who's actually kind of the reason that I'm here, because I'm crashing with you. I think I'm just going to say that right off the top. Uh, who I've known for a long time. I love it for me, too. Christina Mack, your official title is Chief Science, Chief Science Officer at iCubia. Correct. Okay. And you work with, you lead science sports research for different professional leagues, including the NFL and NBA. Is that all? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Great. I'm, gl I'm glad I got that right because I, I feel like I'm always like, my friend Christina, she does, she does a badass, awesome job. But then they're like, well, what's her role? I'm like, I don't know. That is it. It has been one of the biggest adventures I've ever been on, <laughs> I will say. It's been wonderful. And I think I kind of want to start right there, like how you sort of got to the place that you're at. You present all sorts of information to NFL owners. I remember when you first started doing this, my sister-in-law, Diana, is how we know each other. And she said, yeah, Tina's doing this awesome work and I don't even think she realizes like who's in the rooms that she's presenting to <laughs> and now here you are and it's just been cool to see your trajectory so how did you get into this line of work did you know when you were a computer science major at Notre Dame that like this is what you were going to be doing one day I, I definitely did not know and for any of the young listeners out there I would say you do not have to know and it's really not fun if you do know Love that. Um, you have to go on the journey you have to be there in those moments um, no, you know, it's it's funny. I probably at the end of the day, am a, I love science and that sounds nerdy, yeah. but I will say I think that the world has really evolved and the sports industry has really evolved to appreciate the power of science. And so, yeah, yeah when Di says, I don't think she really even knows who's in those rooms, I am very focused on the players and the patients and what we saw in the data and how that might impact their lives, reduce injuries, you know, prevent infection. Um, what we've been able to use that data for has been kind of that that guiding light. What's the biggest thing to you? Because I think a lot of people look at, oh, look at the science data. There's there's different narratives that pop up and exist about how safe certain sports are, of what the NFL is actually doing or not doing. Big picture, what do you think is the biggest misconception from inside the world that you're in and what you see, what goes on, and kind of the outside world, what they assume? Sure. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things, and, you know, we always talk about being working moms, so mm -hmm. I'll, just, I'll just go there now. Let's I do think it. one of the biggest things is the lack of just global focus on how healthy it is to play a team sport. It is so good for our bodies, it is so good for our brains, and it's so good for you know, it's so good for everything in, in terms of health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And I look at my kids and the things that, you know, save, saved my son when during COVID, when he was isolated, was he would go out and play on the soccer field. Yeah. And it's what gets them out of the house. It gets, it's what gets them off screens. It's what teaches them confidence and perseverance and focus. Um, and it, there's so many benefits to playing sports at all ages. Um, so 
there's a lot of focus at the league, and I think also um, there's there's a lot of focus across the board on making sports safer. Yeah. But it's not the riskiest thing you can do by any stretch of the imagination. By any stretch of the imagination, and in fact, it's the opposite. And what do you think? So you're a mom of three amazing kids, and when you think about the work that you do and what you see and what you have come to know and understand about sports and the science behind it, and then you look at you know your three kids who. As moms, you want to protect your kids, right? Like yep. that's the innately kind of the mama bear instinct yes. is real. But you talk about the import, impact of sports. How safe, let's start with football. Let's just go sure. there right now. Because I think a lot of people are like, well, football's not going to make it because I hear this narrative all the time. Moms are going to kill football because moms don't want their kids to play football. It's not safe enough. It's not. What do you think and what do you know about where the sport is now and maybe where it came from, but from a mom lens. Like, yep. you've got the science lens, you've got the mom lens. When you think about the sport as a whole, where are we right now, and is it safe? So, as I said, so to me, being out on the field, being out on a court, being outside, playing with the team, is one of the number one things that are gonna keep my kids healthy and out of trouble. Full stop. I, I believe that, and so, when I think about the game, and especially when I think about it at the youth level, I would like to see more streamlined and well-communicated sideline concussion evaluations, emergency action plans. I'd like to see more of that. Mm -hmm. I've never gone to a youth sport and you know, been educated as a parent on who will care for my kid, who will give them a, you know, an appropriate pediatric you know, concussion diagnostic if they need it that's not something that we're very focused on I don't yeah. think in youth sports in America at least not as in my experience as a parent um, but when I look at the leagues and this is across you know this is across all sports there's a huge focus on health and safety and it's grown you know it's grown exponentially in the 10 years when, that I've been working there where the best of the best programs are on that field um, you know I've heard the NFL say it's one of the safest places you could have a medical event would be in an NFL stadium and I think we saw last season that there's a lot of truth to that and there's also a lot to be learned from the setup that they have and, and some of it's simple putting a medical tent on the sideline yeah. so that if you need a medical evaluation you can go somewhere somewhat private and, and have a physician focused on you right um, you know a lot of this is it's low technology but it's extremely impactful for the athlete I think another thing that I have loved your support in and we've had so many conversations about this over the year is being a working mom and all that comes with that yes it's funny that working dad is not a title or a moniker or a thing especially right? when we see I know our husbands and they're incredible working dads yes. and that's a huge part of their 100 yes, percent and as, it's as but it's not us. they don't yeah. it's not talked about in the same yes. way for a million reasons that we all know but i love how you approach and you you really help my headspace on this when i was talking to you about like some of the mom guilt stuff and you were like i've just let it go because it doesn't serve me it's not helping my kids no. for me to feel guilty yeah. about you travel a lot how do you navigate and how do you, how have you been able to literally just take that bag of bricks and set it down sure um it's one of my favorite topics, as you know, yeah. partially because I think about it all the time because early, early on, you know, when I had my first kid, I, he was my priority, full stop. He was just my priority. I wasn't comfortable with how I felt when he was in daycare. I didn't do it, you know, I did a pretty naive job choosing an early home daycare. 
it wasn't a good place for him. I pulled him out of it immediately, and I was essentially a stay-at-home mom doing my dissertation on the side for a year and a half. And in that process, I realized I have priorities. I know what they are. Number one priority is my family. Number two priority is my work. And that is my North Star. But you can do both. You just have to have sacrifices, right? And you just have to be really deliberate and and thoughtful about what those are. And then I think you can't hold on to it. You can't physically be in two places at one time. So you have to make a choice. And I think if we stay aligned with our values, you know, the trick is just not feeling guilty once you make that choice. Yeah. Right? I mean, if, if my choice, and it is, so like something that's really important to me is to go on field trips. I work really hard to not miss a field trip and um, it's just important to me. Right? And so I don't miss a field trip. And so whatever meetings I miss that day, I can't feel bad that I wasn't at the meeting. Right? We have PTO at work. I take it for field trips. It's critical to me. That's what I'm doing. So I, you know, and I think if I wasn't going on the field trips, then I would feel guilty because that's not aligned with my priorities. So, a small example, but. I try to really stick with that. There are two other true. examples because I think, and I, I think this is helpful for parents who listen to this. You, and again, this was just, you gave me such good advice and I've done it, but I love what you uh, taught me. I was gone for two weeks. I, I go away for two weeks every March for our basketball tournaments. And I was talking to you about how hard it was to be away for that long. And you said, whenever I do a long trip, I put together a scavenger hunt for the kids. Oh. It's my Which favorite. is like, so talk, A, how did you come up with that idea? Because I did it for my kids uh, when I was gone last year. And yes. I think it really, because it, it's like a way that they feel like they're interacting with you somehow, even when you're not there and that you're thinking about them. And it takes a little work, but not a, not a mut, not it like does. a ton. Yes. It's, yes. I mean, it can be simple and it can be. You can make it I, as I hard as you want. I have gone overboard at some point. <laughs> but yes. So I always leave them notes. And then I started kind of leaving them notes and gifts. And then I would sort of hide it in different places. And then I went to the Olympics. And it, it was during COVID, I went to the Tokyo Olympics. I was gone for a really long time. Oh. And so what I did was I put together a book and I wrote, a, I wrote a, a fact or a quote or a scavenger hunt, kind of pointing them to a specific place in the house. And I taped it all together. So every day they had to cut it open to get to the next day. And there was a little something all over the house oh, so cool. for them. And sometimes it was a fact, like a, you know, a fact or a piece of trivia. Sometimes it was a piece of candy. Sometimes it was a little gift, but they loved it. And sometimes they would need to call me because they couldn't figure out the clue. <laughs> so it's just a good and excuse didn't have to the chat code. with he them. Didn't have a good, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had it all pictures on my phone. It was that one was a little the NBA bubble where I was gone for a month and the Tokyo Olympics were very elaborate scavenger hunts. <laughs> I might have taken a day off work to put those scavenger hunts together. Um, um, but it, but it matters, it right? Does, like it matters in, a lot. It does. And you you know to be more. A lot of what I think about is how can I be more present. Yeah. And so for a lot of us. You know, you can have all the work guilt in the world, but you know what? When you're done working, don't look at your phone. Let it go. I mean, That's I'm not going to feel guilty for with. working, but then be on my phone all night long. Right. That doesn't work. So I, I think part of it is, you know, being really present and being intentional about what's my kid's experience yep. in this moment. And I am not perfect. Let oh, me just make sure. Well, <laughs> Let I me am, make sure everybody so. knows that I do check email sometimes at night and I'm not always present. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a work in progress. Well, I also think, too, that's something that I think about a lot, though. I'm like, it's not like you ever arrive and you're just, okay, now I'm a good mom. Yeah. Now, I'm a good, now I'm good at my job. Now I'm a good mom. It is like every day a recommitment to how am I going to show up both for my job, for myself, for my kids, for my husband today. I agree. And, you know, Pete, my husband and I have had some really good conversations. And I think we had kind of a realization when my son was three that every three months 
when your kids are little and probably every six months when they're older, something changes completely. Mm. So for example, when you're nursing, if you can figure out how to you know, work from home until 10 so that you can kind of get your kid up and running, put them down for a nap, you know, you don't want to get to the office at eight and have to pump, yep. right? So there's like some schedule things you can work out that are really clutch. The second you work that out, new phase, work something else out, right? And so I think the more you can expect, I'm going to have to evolve every quarter, yeah. <laughs> quarterly evolution, um, the more that you can kind of anticipate it, yeah. right? And that goes for gym times and when you work out, right? I mean, I used to work out every day at three because my kids were in aftercare and I could still you know, get them at four. Now, that's the worst time because yeah. that's when I can pick them up from school and they're not t so tired that they won't tell me all the things. Um, so threes now become sacred. So you know, when, when do I work out now? I mean, it's just, it's an evolution. And I do think it's important to think about it that way because we do so often get stuck in like, this is what they do and this is what we do. But you're right, they're constantly, I mean, they're growing so fast. Yes. Yes. I remember there, there was a great book I read that talked about every two months you should be asking your kid to do something they haven't done before. Oh, I love that. And that I think, and I, I'm not good at it, but I like I do that. try and think about that of like, they're more capable than sometimes yeah. I think I give them credit for because I get used to just, oh, I take care of this. But no, like you, you, you're seven, you can yes, take care of that. I completely agree. Yeah. And you know, I think you hit on something I'm learning now that I feel like for a long time, I was very focused on my kids not seeing me work because I wanted them to see me be present. I wanted them to feel that I was present when I was with them. And I still think that's important, but I said, I said that to my dad once. And my dad is from an Italian immigrant family. And he looked at me and he said, Christina, I, I always, all I ever saw my mom doing was working. You play with your kids, cards and hang out more than my mom ever had time to play with me because she had four kids and she was always cooking and cleaning and doing the things she needed to do to keep the house running. And your kids should actually see you doing that. And that that really impacted me. And then I've noticed now there's actually a lot of benefits to my kids knowing what I do at work. I mean, I think to all moms, like we have interesting jobs. Jobs are interesting. Office dynamics are interesting. People stuff is interesting. The actual work that you do is interesting. And to bring them into that style. world. Bring them into that world. Yeah. There is so, I mean, you are your own career day. Right. They get to see it. It's yeah. awesome. I love you know, that. So show them that. Are you able to bring them because you go to all these cool events? Are you able to bring them to some of the stuff? Sometimes. I sometimes Sorry. do. And, you know, I teach at their school sometimes. So, for example, my daughter was just doing an infection detection unit. And so I made, I, I, I made you know, if you've ever seen Outbreak where Kate Winslet's at the chalkboard and she's explaining R not. I did it for them. I made a whole presentation on PowerPoint and I presented it to the class and then I had all these you know, different are nots and showed them how you can get infected quicker or not as quick. It, you know, it's, it's really fun. And then um, half their parents are in scientific jobs. So I was like, you know, your mom's a biostatistician. She does this. <laughs> that is, I didn't have that at my school. I'm sure uh, when yeah, I was there, no one came in and gave that presentation. That's awesome. Um, and then the last thing I want to say too, well, a couple more things, but one of the other things that, that I had never even, it had never even occurred to me and I did it the other day because I, of my travel schedule. You said when you're gone a lot, that you will sometimes pull one of your kids out of school for a morning or an afternoon to be able to get that sacred together time. And that was something yes. that never even occurred to me. And I did it with Collins on his birthday because I was going to be gone I on his actual birthday. And it was the most beautiful, wonderful time together. Oh, I love that. And he felt so special. I had emailed his teacher and told him what I was going to do. And she yep. was like, great, no problem. Yeah. He can make up his spelling test, whatever. Oh, I love that. And yep. so I, 
again, it's those small things that I think are just so helpful when you can just be intentional about. It can look different. Yeah, exactly. And that's okay. And that gets back to the North Star, right? Why, yeah. why did I do that? Because I was traveling more than my priorities and values dictated. It, that was too much travel for me, but I couldn't say no. So where I would have felt guilt, I was like, you know what? Everyone's gonna get a half day so yeah. that we can go. I mean, my son and I went bowling. I mean, we so just did good. our stuff. Yeah. We hung out. Um, and I don't want to do that all the time, but I do think that's that's your alternative to having mom guilt. Right. Is sitting down and saying, okay, if I could say no to one of these trips, I would, but I can't. Mm -hmm. And so unless I want to quit my job because it's too much travel, what is the other thing I can do to make this feel right to me yeah. and be aligned? It's like anything else. It's like you can, if you're creating action towards something, then it allows you to, you know, exactly. sometimes it overwhelms your brain when it exactly. just feels like, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm overwhelmed by my job. And exactly. it's just having guilt as part of being a mom. And it's like, no, it doesn't exactly. have to be. And there's a feminist bent to this too, yeah. right? That yeah. women, women are finally, I mean, I think having our moment or getting yeah. there where there's not just one woman in the room. And, and I know in my career and I'm sure in yours, I have been the only woman in the room a lot, and I'm seeing, and I'll give credit to sports and a lot of credit to the NFL and the NBA, there are so many more women mm -hmm. in these rooms now as decision makers, as medical professionals, and that is so different from what it was like 10 years ago. And that's true in the healthcare profession too. There are more women, and I think we've got to stay there. Um, Amen. So we've got to make it work for us. Because it, ma it really, matters it matters it does matter it because matters. we got more women in the room and then they're gonna there's just there's different things you need to have both I think. yes I'm a big believer in yes. that if you could go back and tell yourself like give advice to yourself you know maybe it's the 2002 you just graduated Notre Dame and we're mm. starting your trajectory what what would you tell yourself what, what advice would you give yourself or what would you want yourself to know oh my gosh um, that's a really hard question I would um, I would tell myself that all the fun I was having with my friends <laughs> was an investment in my future mental health. Mm, and, you know, just know that not only was I having a good time, but I was really making sure all, you know, I, there, there, is, there, is, there is no happy for me without just the love and friendship of, of those women. And Ashley, that includes you and all of our yeah. adventures yeah. over all this time. And we thought we were just having a good time. And now I'm just kind of like, oh my gosh, I need these sisters for my survival. That was, I have like goosebumps. That was the best answer. And I think you're exactly right. Because sometimes you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And you I do. look back and I now think about the network of women that I have in my life, obviously you included, yeah. that has gotten me through a lot of different things. And it's my favorite thing about getting older. Everyone's like, oh man, getting older. Getting older is awesome because your friends are doing all this oh, badass stuff. And I'm like, they're the ones in the room that are doing the things. It's amazing. And it's, it's and been cool. And you're like, we've, I've, known, I've known you for 25 yeah. years. <laughs> it's so much, there's so much love. And yeah. like, you're laughing because we've had so many fun times. It like has it's, been so it's great. It's ridiculous to think back on yes. all the things that we've done. It's also amazing how well these people know you and they've mm. known you in all these different stages. Yep. Um, there's, it's gold. There's yeah. just not, you can't buy that. Um, and you can't get it, you know, new friends are amazing. But you can't get that old friendship. It's I don't know if I realize how important that was going to be. And so to nurture the them. I think that's mm -hmm. the other piece of thing that yes. I tell young, especially because you've got so much going on, but like your friendships, you, yes. you just you have They're to everything. figure out a time mm -hmm. to make sure that and you're nurturing science them. And science has now, now that is in the data. Really? Okay. <laughs> so that, and what? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, the number one predictor of a long and physically healthy life, as well as mentally healthy life, is connection. Yeah. 
And it's, it's, it's very clear in the data. And so in epidemiology, we talk about confounders and there's all these confounding factors. And you know, the one takeaway from these studies that is not in question is the power of connection with other people to keep us healthy. You're speaking my language right now. <laughs> okay, we always end these with a, a shout out to moms. So oh, I love that. can I give you, can you want, you want to give your mama a uh, big old shout Mimi, out? Yes. Tell me what you love about Mimi. What's I, I love everything about Mimi. My mom was a, my mom was a cheer, a halftime dancer in the 1971 and 1972 Dallas Cowboys Super Bowls. It's my, one of my favorite stories. She um, had her first eight or 12 plane flights with going with the Cowboys to places like Chicago to dance in the kick line in the half line in the halftime show. Um, and she managed to raise a daughter who, although I never cheerleaded, she managed to raise a complete feminist who kind of circled back around. And um, she's just been my best friend and my role model for yeah, my whole life. And she still is. So when did you out. realize, like, when did she first tell you about when did when you when you saw those pictures of her? I don't. So I think we found the pictures more recently, and my dad actually found a video on YouTube about <laughs> six years ago. Um, but I, you know, and the credit to her, I don't think she talked a lot about yeah. how fabulous she was. <laughs> so I actually don't remember her knowing that. I knew she was a baton twirler because she's still an amazing baton twirler. Really? Oh my gosh! I went to take a spin class one day, and my daughters were hanging out with her. I got back in an hour and fifteen minutes, and. My daughters both did a full baton routine, complete with music and a formal introduction. She taught them in an hour. <laughs> she still has some serious skills. Um, but you know, my friend, my I have some mom, my new crew of mom friends mm -hmm. met my mom. And after she left and we were still at kind of this brunch we were having, they were like, man, everybody needs a Mimi. <laughs> I was like, Everyone does need a Mimi. That's that's <laughs> the only way we can end this. Everybody yeah. needs a Mimi. Shout Everybody out to Mimi. Thank Mimi. you for raising this beautiful, wonderful, fabulous, feminist badass who I am very lucky to call a friend uh, and now right a co-host. Right back at you. you can, Thank you hey, so much for having you me. You come on anytime. You have an open <laughs> mic, open platform. You Thank come on you. the show anytime. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Enjoy the game. Thanks. You too.